Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome everyone to episode 111 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I am Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. And today we're going to be talking about low interest rates. It's exciting. But first, it's very exciting. A case study. So uh, recently we had a meeting with some folks and they are, they have a bunch of kids, right? And they have a differing uh, belief system or value system with it when it comes to how much are we willing to contribute to education, mm-hmm. right? So one spouse says, you know, I think that we need to contribute an equal amount mm-hmm. and I want to fully pay for it. Another spouse says, well, if one kid's going to Michigan, Michigan State, and another kid can go to Yale, I don't want to, you know, pay for the Michigan State, but only give that money to the Yale kid, and then the Yale kid decides not to go to Yale because it's so much more expensive. Mm-hmm. And that same spouse also says, I want the kid to have some skin in the game, so I don't want to pay for all of it. Mm-hmm. So how do we reconcile all of this? Yeah, that, that's, you know, the question they have when they start asking that is, well, part of it is, what can I afford, right? Is they don't know, can I, can I pay for all these different colleges? Can I pay more for this student than that student or this child and that child and all these things? And, and when we were having that conversation with them, the thing that really stood out to me was, um, that's why we need to do a plan, right? That's why we need to figure out where you're at. Because the one thing with college you can't do is sacrifice your retirement for it. So we need to figure out what kind of shape we're in for retirement, and then we can have that college conversation. The, the picture gets a lot more clear when we have a, a, that, uh, a degree of confidence around where they stand with retirement. Yeah, I completely agree. So if I know that I'm 110% to goal on retirement, it makes it much easier to talk about the college conversation. Right. Right? Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not so concerned about skin in the game. Maybe I'm not so, worried about making it equal. Or maybe if we want to make it equal, you know, the Yale kid is getting all the money for college. Maybe the Michigan kid can get some, uh, if they want to gross it up, you know, and, and mm-hmm. true it up, can get some money for the wedding or a down payment on their house. If yeah, they want to first car it. or something, yeah. Yeah. And my first car was a Mustang, rear wheel drive, crashed it immediately. <laughs> as soon as it snowed. It didn't, it didn't take long, huh? No. Oh, man. Yeah, that's bad news. <laughs> so anyway, um, if I'm 90% to go on retirement, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm not paying for you to go to Yale if I have to work five extra years. Right. Right. That could definitely be an outcome as well. Right. It changes the, the skin in the game conversation too. You know, is it, a, is it a, a necessity now that they have some skin in the game because we're not on track to meet our retirement goals? Yeah. Yeah, and most people put their retirement goal ahead of the education goal, mm-hmm. but there are there are others. Right? I'm not saying that's the right or mm-hmm. wrong way, but you know we're just speaking from our own experience. Yeah, you know, and for me, you know, um, I am comfortable, right? Reflecting on my own position, I'm comfortable with, you know, the next 20 years of being able to save and invest and and growing the portfolio, where I want my children to. Um, you know, to have a four-year no-loan position, mm-hmm. 
but that's like in state, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you start talking about Yale, and I'm like, mm, maybe right. not. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like eighty thousand a year. Right. Yeah, and all these things. I mean, there's not a wrong answer, right? When it comes to paying for college, whether you want the kids to have some skin in the game or not, whether you support in state, out of state, whatever. There's no wrong answer, but I think what this case study showed us is that you need to know where you stand first relative to your retirement goals to have to before you can really have confidence around that that college decision and those questions that you're trying to answer i was gonna say you nailed it and dropped the mic but you just kept talking i did so i should have just it was cut it like off. so good for a moment <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh what's today's topic low interest rates it has yeah. nothing to do with uh college funding values but mm-hmm. uh so what you know what are we seeing in the interest rate environment last year when everything went haywire mm-hmm. uh, everyone was panicking right mm-hmm. so w- when you panic and you sell stocks and you buy safety which is bonds mm-hmm. specifically treasuries yeah treasuries yeah it drives the treasury rates down so at the same time the fed lowered rates to zero so you have like zero money market rates mm-hmm. okay and then you have a 10-year and a 30-year where the rates were plummeting as well. Mm-hmm. I believe the, the 10-year was like 0.6% yeah. at the low point, mm-hmm. right around there. It sounds, yeah, it sounds in the neighborhood. And by the way, full disclosure here, we're not providing any investment advice mm-hmm. in this conversation. Strictly entertainment only. Yeah. Is it education or entertainment? It's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> 50-50, right? So 0.6 for a 10-year. Yeah. Now, if you, if I said, hey, Jim, I can guarantee you you're going to make 0.6% over the next 10 years, would you be excited about <laughs> I that? Would not, no, I would not be excited about that. Yeah, neither would I. That's not keeping up with inflation, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 30-year was very low as well, mm-hmm. higher than 0.6%. Um, I think it was lower than 1% though. Yeah, low. dipped under, I think. Mm-hmm. And now there's more confidence in the markets, more confidence that we'll see inflation and growth. Mm-hmm. So as a result, the interest rates have been moving up, mm-hmm. right? So people are uh, pricing in a better future. And right now the 10 year note is 1.6% from 0.6. Mm-hmm. And 1.6 is still very low, right? If if I, oh, yeah. if I can give you yeah. 1.6 over the next 10 years, would you take that? I'm not, not very excited about that either, no. Not excited. But it's better than 0. 0.6. Yeah. And so uh, what's interesting with bonds, when rates go up, the prices of the bonds go down. Okay, so we, the irony is that we flock to the bonds for safety, and now the prices of the bonds are going down. So on a year-to-date basis, which is what, like, Eight weeks, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, like ten weeks into yeah. the year now. Today's uh, March eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, so the yield for a ten year is one point six percent. But if you look at the year to date returns of the bonds, it's more like minus three percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you flock to the bond for safe for the safety of the low rate. And then you lose du- almost double mm-hmm. of what your return would be per year for two years. Right. You know, that's a little backwards, right? Mm-hmm. And as we think about the future, what could happen next? 
Well, I mean, if people keep selling out of bonds, as they as they sell out of those bonds, then the yields um, trickle up a little they bit. They continue to go up. Right. So then we get a little more yield, but then the price of your bonds are worth less. So those bond funds that you owned are now not worth as much. Mm-hmm. So over time, it has a way of working itself out, right? The, the bigger yield makes up for the reduction in the price of the bond, but people don't, you know, People don't like to see the, the, the value of the bonds go down and they don't like to see those small yields either. So it's really just, it's, it's really a really tough spot to be in right now with fixed income. Yeah. So if we, if we think of what the 10 year could get to, right? Maybe it goes up to two and a half percent, maybe more, right? But that, would, that means rates are going higher. This is not a prediction, but we're just saying if rates go to two and a half, it means that rates would be going higher mm-hmm. and means the prices of the bonds will continue going down, which means that there's more pain from here mm-hmm. um, and, and very low yields to try and make up for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we've been talking about rates going up for years, but it, it feels real this time, mm-hmm. right? It does. Yeah. feels like a little bit of a rotation. Yeah. And if we think about a balanced portfolio, Right. This is where most, I should say, many clients are with when it comes to risk uh, leading up to retirement or in retirement in a balanced portfolio, which typically is like a 60-40, right. uh, 60% equity, 40% fixed income. So this is the fixed income part that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? This low yielding environment. Um, so if 40% of your portfolio is, is yielding like 2%, mm-hmm. What does that mean for our future return expectations? Yeah, I mean, it puts a lot of strain on the equity side to to give you g- those good returns, right? People say, you know, uh, I'd like to just get 8% a year out of my accounts. I think someone right? just said, hey, as long as I get Somebody 10%, said 10 yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, but if you have 40% of that portfolio getting you in the neighborhood of 2%, that puts a lot of pressure on yeah. the equity side to do that. So, um, you know. At, at all-time highs. Yeah, right. Starting point. Right, good point, right, where we don't have who knows how much more room we have to go up. Speaking of that person who says, you know, as long as I make 10%, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that comment with someone who answers the risk quiz at a 26? <laughs> so mm-hmm. to put this in perspective, it's 20, the scale is zero to a hundred. So if you answer 26, you're fairly conservative. Very, very conservative, yeah. Right, pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. So there's absolutely no way you're going to make 10. I mean, it's impossible yeah. that you'd make 10%. And all, sto- and all stock portfolio over, over you know, the history of the stock market hasn't even done that. Yeah. So that's, that is a, well, a, a big... What trouble. about the new economy, though? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so, so if we have a 60-40 and 40% is making 2%, it's a challenge. What if we're mm-hmm. flip that 40-60 because we're retired and we've decided that we don't like to see the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. We just want a little bit more, a little bit more stability. And now, sixty percent of the portfolio is making two percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bigger problem. I mean, this is a headwind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we if we if we run our plan with peak analysis and we show, hey, as long as we make five percent, we're good. But if we make three percent mm-hmm. on our returns, we're not going to be okay. Yeah. Right. And it, that's kind of what the bond return would look like, right. you know, closer to that 3%. So what do you do? 
Yeah, that, that's where we really have to start looking for alternatives, right? We realize that we can't, we can't just take those low rates and, and just earn that and be content with it. We realize there's a place for fixed income to help reduce volatility. Like you said, people don't like the ups and downs, so we need to account for that. But, um, you know, there's, we've started to find alternatives to that, right? And try to find different types of investments um, that can give us some, some better yield and some better um, fixed rates without taking on a whole lot more risk. Yeah, and we would never abandon bonds, right? Mm-hmm. We know that they serve that, that point, like you said, like, like uh, you know, to keep your head above water, mm-hmm. right? You have to have that. Uh, but, but maybe there's something that we can do in addition to help um, a balanced portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the things that have stood out, you know, there's, there's always a sacrifice, right? There's never this perfect world, right? But we've started to find opportunities in, in maybe some private lending programs and things like that where we sacrifice a little bit of liquidity, right? Where we can't just buy it today, sell it tomorrow. Maybe we have to push that liquidity out to quarterly, mm-hmm. right? But if we can live with that, if we can live with not being able to redeem uh, instantly, but we have to do it on the quarters, there's an opportunity to, to you know look for four or five percent in yield. Yeah, I think that quarterly quarterly liquidity is, is perfectly fine. Uh, alternative asset classes as well, private lending, real estate, private equity. Mm-hmm. You know these things they do increase risk on the margin, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but. Um, Can you mark the time? Okay. So, you know, they do reduce liquidity on the margin and they do increase risk on the margin, um, but you still uh, are able to earn, ho- hopefully, right, more than that 2% yield of a treasury. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still oftentimes get the benefit of, uh, you know, negative correlation still with equity. So there still yeah. is that it still presents itself as a really nice diversifier. Yeah. That negative correlation is, is exactly what we're looking for. So mm-hmm. no one would say, oh, I can lock my money in for 30 years and make 2% and get excited about that. But the Treasury provides that negative correlation and mm-hmm. that's what attracts us to that. Yeah. Um, so alternatives provide different type of risk. Uh, and a different type of return expectation, but it allows us, you know, instead of being 60-40 to be 60% equity, 25% fixed income, and 15% alternatives in order to uh, reduce some of that interest rate risk mm-hmm. and kind of boost the, the overall return profile a little bit. And yep. again, it's not a recommendation, uh, but it's simply, uh, you know, an idea that maybe people think about considering the low interest rate environment and the interest rate risk that's mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think that's pretty much it, right? Unless we want to talk about the no- structured notes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know if we should work that in. Yeah. We're gonna have your work cut out for you, actually. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now another area which could be considered an alternative would be. Uh, a type of program where you say, well, the market's really high right now, and I'm concerned about the market going down, and I'm really not interested in taking on that interest rate risk with the low, the low yield. So we have a buffer, right? Mm-hmm. So how does, a, how does a buffered program work? 
Yeah, it's really, it's kind of one of the new exciting things that we have in our tool belt, we'll say, right? Where some, we have some, there's some options strategies you can use to help predict returns, right? It's help kind of put you in a range return-wise. Like so, a crystal ball? <laughs> like a crystal ball. No, <laughs> no, but it allows you to, to buy options on different, you know, like the S&P or the Dow or something like that, where we can uh, protect, right, below certain points, right? So the way, a lot of the, a lot of the times the way these work is, um, you know, we can we can get get an investment or build an investment that'll track the S and P up to a certain amount, but it'll offer protection on the downside. So if it goes down, you know, more than 10, 15, 20 percent, right? However, this investment is built, uh, those losses will um, come expiration due date will will not be felt by the investor. They'll be bumped back up to uh, the original investment amount. So. It's a really intriguing way to start to try to be aggressive and still try to, to get market uh, like return without having to be you know in, in the fixed income world, but to have or to offer the protection of the fixed income world, but to still look to achieve uh, good rate of return. But playing devil's advocate here, right? If you have a twenty percent buffer and the market goes down thirty five percent then you're gonna take a hit, right? Yep, you definitely will take so a hit. So it's not exactly like a bond, right? right? But, in that, but in that same scenario, the way, what that looks like is if, if the market is down 30, 35% and you have a 20% buffer, you only feel the 15% loss, right? Anything beyond that buffer is all you feel. So it does, you're right, you're not immune to going down, you're not immune to losing money, but it definitely can take a lot of the uh, the sting off of it. And so the other characteristic of a program like this is that it oftentimes will have a five-year commitment, maybe yep. a six-year commitment. So over five years, over six years, if you have a 20% buffer, um, I want to say only like 1% of the time have you actually experienced a loss on mm -hmm. rolling five, six-year periods. Right. So, so sure, in the 2020 example, when it goes down 35%, you're feeling it. Okay, mm -hmm. but if you hold to maturity, uh, and as we've seen in real life, right, it's rebounded all the way and then some. Mm -hmm. So in fact, you uh, would not be losing right in that example. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. But it's a good it's a good way to to right. It's not a fair trade with fixed income, but it's a way to maybe take a little bit of a step, car carve out a little bit of that uh, fixed income that we know is going to be a real challenge for us and. And still put some money to work with some protection behind it. Yep. So if you if you took some of that fixed income and put it into one of these programs, you're increasing risk. But if you take some money away from your stock market exposure into one yeah. of these programs, you're reducing risk. Mm -hmm. And now we can have a conversation, you know, about uh, whether that's appropriate for for one for your particular portfolio your situation. Yeah, yeah, for your situation. For sure. So these are just talking points, just ideas. Mm -hmm. Not blanket recommendations mm -hmm. uh, by any means, but I think that uh, it makes sense to to have that conversation. So, if you if you have interest in talking further, or if you'd like a second opinion on your portfolio, mm -hmm. you can schedule an appointment at peakwm.com. And what else? Is that it? Yeah, no, I think that's great. If you have if you find this uh, to be a challenge in your portfolio as well, give us a call and. Uh or book online and we'll... I know, you know, I find it's amazing. This is like 111 episodes and my delivery at the close <laughs> is so poor. 
Well, maybe that's what keeps people tuned in. They, they want to see how you're going to end the next one. <laughs> how many people listen to the end, okay? <laughs> you know, last time we offered to give away a book, and a few people actually did. Oh, asked, nice. Hey, we're going to get this book. So we sent it. Yeah. So if you want the book, retire, uh, Your Retirement Quest, yeah. which is the best retirement book I've ever read, and it's not about money, just about you know, the idea, the concept of retirement mm -hmm. and ending your career, uh, let us know and we will send you the book for free. You've been listening to certified financial planner, Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary, Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.